Yeah, use my voice. My show sucks. Trump fucking rules. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, welcome to the big show, episode 276 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore. This especially early morning version. My lovely co-host, ready to go, Brittany Page, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> it is early. It's rare. Yeah. Usually it's 1 a.m. Early for us. 1 a.m. is technically <laughs> early as well. Well, we're, we're, we're going up to Los Angeles, 30 miles up like it's a big giant trip. It'll probably be a shit show in traffic, but we're going up to LA today to do some stuff. Uh-huh. The Grammys are today, so... They might be a shit show. Yeah. It is, it is kind of a good thing about living. I mean, we do look forward to getting out of here maybe as soon as grad school's up for you. We don't, we don't know. We're, we're, we're a couple of... Couple of kids with the whole futures ahead of them. We don't know what we're gonna do. That's not necessarily true, but but it's nice <laughs> that uh, there's always something going on in La- in L.A. Like this this Thursday, uh-huh. we went and saw Louis C.K. We did in I was gonna say in concert, but it was in a concert hall. Yes, it and was that was phenomenal. It was a good time. We've 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 seen a lot of good shows, but that was a. I don't want to say a once in a lifetime thing, but I, I admire the shit out of of Louis C.K. and his brain for one. But he's just—it was so, so good. Yeah, it was awesome, and it was also great that the audience was good too. I hate yeah, going yeah. to shows and then having you know a couple of dicks in the audience that don't follow the rules. Or... Brittany likes when there's lots of dicks. Yeah, in the and uh, you know there weren't any hecklers. <laughs> there were, there wasn't anybody trying to make the well, show about themselves or interrupt it. So I appreciated that. It was you know that's the problem with going to like a shitty comedy club where there's a two drink minimum and no one's really invested mm-hmm. here. You paid for parking, you paid for your tickets, and that's another reason I love Louis C.K., is we paid 50 bucks a ticket, no surcharges. He It was through Ticketmaster, and he doesn't allow them to, to dick around with all of their chicanery and extra charges and fees, and right. it was 50, 50, and tax. That's it. Yep. It was good. Yeah. Really fun time. He... He did about a 20-minute encore that might have been funnier than the actual show. Just just good. Be, yeah. be, be looking for his new special that's coming out because it was it's the material he just did for us. And it's pretty edgy. The encore thing kind of annoys me. And I wish that someone who is an entertainer would call and tell us, explain this to us. Because why... I almost hearken back to being in the Price is Right audience where I felt basically punished like I was a dancing monkey and they were making me stand up and cheer and 
and clap my hands repeatedly and I didn't even get anything. I had to well, just sit for... in there for hours and clap and cheer like I was having a good time and I was miserable. At one point I just sat down. I'm like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> That's, so that is quintessential <laughs> Britney Payne. You know what? You guys didn't choose me. Well, I'm not gonna cheer. I'm not gonna do what you want me to do. Well, that was after they the, the the episode was over. You know you weren't getting chosen, and then they did a bunch of crowd reaction shots that yeah. were fake yes. for later. It was horrible. Yeah. So, you know, you enjoyed the show and then you have to stay there and clap oh is it gonna come back oh oh are well, we clapping enough what's what's gonna happen i've never been to a major comedy show like where you buy a ticket and go to an arena and watch a co- comedian i've been to comedy clubs uh-huh. where they don't do that i mean they, they do their 15 minutes or their right. half hour and then they're done but the entire encore thing i do think is goofy like especially in concerts musicians yeah where it's like we okay and then we're gonna clap and then we know you're gonna come out and play another three or four or five songs yeah, so let's just skip the part yeah, where just, i have to clap for five yeah, minutes it's fucking dumb and let me just continue to sit down and you just continue to perform well, i think it was john mayer and he, it was like on a live album or some recording i heard and they were screaming out songs for him to play uh-huh. and he goes no 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 you know that part at the end when you clap and i act like i'm gonna leave but then i come back that's when I'm going to play that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish more were like that. It's just like, no, I'm going to play my set and then I'm going to be done. And yeah. then you guys go home and I go home. Yes. That would be so much better. It really would. Uh, Take note. We are grumpy old fucking people. That, that really is. A, it, those kids and their encores. They're really getting. It really tans my hide. <laughs> oh, that's probably true. We All suck. right. Well, let's get on with this early morning show. I've got coffee in front of me. My voice is extra gravelly. Let's get to some voicemails while I drink my coffee. Hey, guys. Brittany from Mississippi here. I just got finished listening to Podcast 275, and I just had two quick things. One, this whole Ivanka Trump uh, clothing line thing, let this be an example of how we the people do have the power. Now, I have never looked at Ivanka Trump's clothing line. I've never seen it. I've never considered buying it. So I have no opinions on that. Uh, But if enough people do not want something to happen or work, let this be an example of how this country operates. We have the power. We have the control. These people, not Ivanka Trump, but these people, Donald Trump, you know, uh, Mike Pence, Kellyanne Conway, whoever, work for us. Whether we want them to or not, they work for us. So I just wanted to say that out loud where someone could hear me. Also, uh, number two thing, um, what's with this group of people still going back to Hillary Clinton and Hillary did this, and when Hillary said that, it didn't work at the ballot box. And, you know, what's with, didn't, wasn't it the Republicans that told all of us liberal whiny babies to let it go and get over it? Why do they keep going back to Hillary Clinton? Why are they so enamored with bringing her name up in every situation and scenario they possibly can? It's frankly starting to get a little bit annoying for those of us who have been told to let something go and get over something for you to just keep reminding us how obsessed with Hillary Clinton you seem to apparently be I don't know maybe I'm just reading too much into that anyway that was all thanks love you guys and we Britney's are always the best part 
Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Well, it's funny because in my obsessive comment reading, yeah. um, <laughs> at least you're categorizing it correctly. Yeah, I, I see obsessive. this. I see this <laughs> quite a bit, especially on Fox News links. Oh yeah, where you know Fox News will share a news clip of, for example, Kellyanne Conway promoting Ivanka Trump's products, saying "Go." Go buy all of Ivanka Trump stuff. I love it. It's great. I'm going to do a little commercial here. Ha ha. And they'll, it'll be a news report about how that's an ethics violation. Sometimes I think we should do video on the show <laughs> because watching your face was a, a masterpiece while you imitated Kellyanne Conway. Well, thank you, sir. Like, <laughs> I can't even do it because your head was bobbing back and forth. Very good. Anyway, continue. Yeah. I'm sorry. So they will write in the comments... Well, what about the Clinton Foundation? <laughs> Wasn't that a violation? And how how many times is the Clinton Foundation going to be the rebuttal? Yeah. You talk about Donald Trump's failure here, his failure here, and it's the Clinton Foundation here and there. Yeah. It can't be the rebuttal for everything. Well, also, let me address this about the boycott thing. I it's I look at boycotts kind of like recycling. You know, you're not saving the planet yourself if you recycle. But you're doing your small part. And when everybody does their small part, the planet gets saved. You know, you're not single-handedly taking down Ivanka Trump's line. But you're doing your small part by not shelling out your, your dollars for it. Right. That was a terrible analogy, probably, but that's that's all I got. It's early in the morning. Fuck you guys. You know, I was able to follow it, <laughs> I, so that's good. All right. Thanks for the call, Brittany. We appreciate it very much. Hello, Brittany. Hello, Jesse. This is Jeremy out in Kansas. You're wanting to know what people are most uh, trepidatious about as far as Trump's uh, administration goes. Obviously, there's a whole list of them. But the one that emotionally gets me the most, the one that ticks me off the most, that I'm probably going to hold against Republicans for a very long time is the fact that Trump is going to pick at least one Supreme Court justice. That is inexcusable to me. It was set up by the Republicans uh, in the Obama administration, and now Trump is going to get to pick at least one of them. And, oh, God, the, the implications of that are going to ripple for maybe the rest of my life. Um, so little things that happen that, uh, I don't want to say little things, but things that happen are a lot of the things that can happen are probably going to be short term. Um, hopefully the next president that comes in there, it's going to swing back our way at some point, but the way the Supreme court goes, I mean, their lifetime appointees, it could fuck us for a long time. Uh, and it's so frustrating. God dang it. That's all I got. Good job guys. Keep it up. I would say this. One, you're, you're exactly right. This is multifaceted, my answer. The first thing being that I'm still, and this really doesn't address what you're saying, Jeremy, but I'm still in a, in a place emotionally where I'm having a hard time not placing all the blame and in, a, in an angry kind of a way, in a bitter kind of a way, on Trump voters. When I think about people who voted for Trump, I still have bad feelings in my heart. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to I'm trying to get over that because 
a lot, the vast majority of people who voted for Trump, I do consider them low information voters. Now, that's not a slight against them. That's just what they are. But up until this point, even right now, a lot of times I find myself being pissed off and bitter and fuck them. I'm blaming them. And that's not healthy for me. And it doesn't solve anything. And it's certainly not going forward going to engender any uh, congeniality between us, Mm -hmm. me and and Trump voters. So I need to, to stop that. I don't know why that came up, but this is cathartic, so I'm going to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> and to the point about the, the Supreme Court justice, I, look, I agree with you, but let me assuage some of your angst because Neil Gorsuch, and I haven't done any extensive enough research to give any opinions really about him. I know that he's relative, he's pretty conservative, so that could be a problem as far as um, civil liberties is concerned and gay rights and, and abortion rights. However, it gives me hope when he is meeting with senators and says that it's it's demoralizing when Donald Trump attacks the judiciary. Right. So he he's a free thinker. He's not he's not bound by oh what's Trump going to say if I say something that, that you know contradicts him or puts him in a negative light. Right. He's. He's not even he's nominated, but he's not even confirmed yet. And he's already being an independent mind, which I think is fucking awesome. Right. And saying something that he knew the person who nominated him would not like. Right. I mean, he's he's breaking from the 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 tradition, if you will, the the standard operating procedure of everyone else involved with Trump and uh, appointed by Trump. Right. So I take I t- I think that's a positive thing. Anyway, look, I'm I'm with you. It, it is definitely possibly the most important. Well, it's definitely the most important thing that Trump will do because it affects generations going forward. You know, y- your kids, you, possibly your grand. I mean, these guys and Neil Gorsuch is a young guy. He's going to be there. He could be there for 30 years. Mm-hmm. So. They're old. It's a lifetime appointment. They get to be old, crotchety turds. (laughs) So, not good. Anyway, thanks for the calls, you guys. We appreciate it very much. If you, too, would like to sound off and leave us a voicemail, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email us a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. I think we have an email, though. We do, from Nathaniel. And the reason I said I think we know, we have one is because as I was reading the promo for the phone number, Brittany held up her, her, her iPhone at me and shook it wildly to remind me, hey, fucker, we're not moving on yet. <laughs> that happened. Okay. <laughs> Evening B&J. I absolutely love the show. Started listening last June, then listened to the backlog to the June before that. Still trying to figure out if it was a good use of time. (laughs) That makes Brittany very nervous when people go back. Well, I have a feeling it was not a good use of time. (laughs) Well, to get down to brass tacks, I wrote y'all a poem. Of course, it's at Jesse's expense, but how else are we supposed to check out of this political shitstorm without a bit of playful banter? Again, love the show, and please don't be a snowflake about this, Jesse D. Please. He gives us the news. He gripes and grumbles. What? I'm fucking offended. She cleans it up (laughs) and clears his fumbles. We hear from him, those fucking assholes. We glean from her, they're trolls with goals. (laughs) His approach is achieving an anger erection, 
<laughs> Yikes. Good times. Her part is placation, translation, dissection. All right. Goddamn. <laughs> we know it's frustrating. She's never that mad, even while menstruating. What is to learn from all these two that two eps a week is too tough to brew? For those who don't listen, to get the best part, choose Brittany the Goat, a la carte. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. <laughs> Thanks Bye. again, you two. Keep up the awesome work. I, I'm kind of fond of our listeners. Yes, I, I mean, loved that. Once in a while, I just fucking hate them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not true. <laughs> Teasing. Wait, uh, well, they're awesome. That's aw- that's somebody who took time out of their day, unless they just have poetry flowing from their, their pores. That took some time, and I appreciate it. That's very, very good. Yeah. And Brittany's definitely the goat. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. I need to get a sound loaded. You really do. No, we're that doing can't that. happen ever again. That's happening. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get me some, some <laughs> goat sound effects. You need to do that. <laughs> Support for I Doubt It with Dolomore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like. Comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I Doubt It with Dolomore. John. John. John is our latest Patreon slash PayPal supporter. Thank you so much, sir. Very excited to have you on board. Very appreciative. And you may have already seen it, but the next Google Hangout is scheduled for the month of March. There are two. Friday, March 10th at 8 p.m. Los Angeles time and Saturday, March 11th at 10 a.m. Los Angeles time. Yeah, we did it at 9 a.m. We did. Yesterday. And some people came on a little late, so we thought, oh, maybe we'll move the time up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because the, the second call was an hour and 45 minutes long rather than an hour. It was. <laughs> because people came on a little late, and we didn't want to shortchange them. Yeah. And it was a good time. We actually talked about some issues, and it was a really good time. Yeah, so, it was Sometimes great. when conversation gets a little, little slow, I get worried that it's just going to be about weather and shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it didn't do that at all. It moved along real quick, and it was a... Uh, substantive and you know people disagreed with me about shit it was good yeah you would be a horrible therapist yeah yeah (laughs) yeah of course i would anytime there's silence you like look at me and has someone help someone (laughs) someone say something (laughs) rather than oh it's kind of quiet for a bit that's fine we'll eventually start talking again no one's dying we definitely appreciate our our Patreon and PayPal people. You guys are the best, and uh, we look forward to next month. It'll be a good time. If you are not in a position to donate to the show, to support the show through monetary means, go and review us on iTunes or Stitcher or by whatever means you get the show, you can review us, and that would be spectacular. The other thing, and this isn't really support, but if you would like to submit... One of those, I am so-and-so from this place, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. We are taking submissions. So call 657-464-7609 and leave it, or email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Even if you've done one in the past, you could do another one. If you have something funny to say, say it. 
That would be an awesome time, and we're compiling a new collection. It's going to be a real good time. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So in the past, we've actually talked a lot about what a monster Vladimir Putin is. How he is a thug and a murderer, and he he has assassinated and he has disappeared, if you will, opposition leaders and journalists who write unflattering pieces about him. This is one of the reasons why it's such a problematic outcome that Donald Trump has so much admiration for what a strong leader Putin is. Well, to go hand in hand with this, Vladimir Putin is at it again, and there is a man who is at death's bed. He's on his deathbed at death's door because his wife believes Vladimir Putin is having him poisoned again. In a hospital in Moscow, an outspoken critic of the Kremlin fights for his life. Vladimir Karamurza's wife, Yevgenia, says her husband fell sick with sudden and mysterious organ failure last week. What is your husband's official diagnosis right now? An acute intoxication by an unidentified substance. What do you think that means? That's poisoning. CNN cannot independently confirm this claim, but powerful supporters in Washington are speaking out because this is the second time in just two years Karamurza has suddenly gotten sick. Many suspected he was poisoned to intimidate him or worse. That's why last week's news signaled another shadowy strike against a brilliant voice who has defied the tyranny of Putin's Russia. Pure nonsense, says a Kremlin spokesman denying any links between the government and Karamurza's illness. CNN's Matthew Chant spoke with Karamurza last year, the 35-year-old walking with a cane due to severe nerve damage from his first illness, which he blamed on the government. It's a dangerous vocation to oppose Mr. Putin's regime. Uh, it's a dangerous vocation to be in, in opposition in Russia today. But, but again, these are the risks we know and these are the risks we accept. At that time, the Chechen strongman and close ally of the Kremlin, Ramazan Kadyrov, published this video on his Instagram account showing Karamurza in the crosshairs of a sniper rifle. Karamurza could have stayed at his adopted home in the U.S. state of Virginia, where he's lived for years with his wife and three children. But he came back to Russia last month to promote a documentary about the assassination of his friend Boris Nemtsov, an opposition leader who was shot dead in the shadow of the Kremlin in 2015. Were you worried about your husband on this visit to Russia? I was terrified, not only on this visit. Every time he leaves the house to go on one of his trips, I'm terrified. Yevgenia says the doctors are giving her husband a 5% chance of survival. The Russian government and President Putin are responsible for what happened to my husband two years ago and now one way or another. The climate in our country is such that opposition figures can be intimidated, threatened, thrown in jail, shot and poisoned. Ivan Watson, CNN, Moscow. So what does that tell you? about the, the problematic relationship between Vladimir Putin and the United States as an ally, 
as someone to be to be praised. This is the man that Vladimir Putin is. This is the man also who runs a country to which we are sidling up. Mike Flynn, the national security advisor for Donald Trump, former general, army general, who had personal business dealings after his retirement with Russia and was very cozy with Vladimir Putin, went to dinners where he has been photographed sitting next to Vladimir Putin at a table. Risky. He also was in hot water during the transition because it was revealed that he was having phone calls with the ambassador to the UN. Maybe the ambassador to the US, I'm not sure. But having phone calls on the day that sanctions were announced, and he claims, oh, I, I didn't, we, we didn't talk about sanctions at all. We just scheduled a meeting for when Trump was actually president to get together and talk. Well, now it's coming out that was not true, and he's in trouble. So, before President Trump took office, did his incoming national security advisor, retired General Michael Flynn, reach out to Russia to tell them, hey, don't worry about these sanctions that President Obama is putting in place. Flynn and Vice President Pence and the Trump team first said no. Sanctions were never mentioned when Flynn talked to the Russian ambassador. They said adamantly, indignantly, no. But now, in a major scoop from the Washington Post that is corroborated by multiple current and former government sources who were listening in on the Russian ambassador's phone, it seems like there's a different answer. Today, Flynn says he cannot recall if he discussed sanctions. Behind the smokescreen of falsehoods from the Trump White House on this issue are continued questions about the curious relationship between the White House and the Kremlin. One Democratic <laughs> member of the House Intelligence Committee today tweeting, quote, the arrows continue to point in just one direction. Russian hacking helped President Trump win, and the president's team may have broken the law to return the favor. A bombshell out of Washington today. Nine current and former government officials told the Washington Post that National Security Advisor Michael Flynn discussed U.S. sanctions against Russia with Russia's ambassador before taking office, despite both Flynn and the White House insisting that was not the case. Sources tell CNN the communications occurred in December, just as the Obama administration was announcing retaliatory sanctions against Russia for interfering with U.S. elections. We can do stuff to you. Some officials were actually characterizing what, what was said in the calls, right? It's not just, oh, that this subject came up. It is Flynn was conveying a signal here, a clear signal to the Russian ambassador. Don't overreact to these sanctions the Obama team is announcing. We're going to have time to revisit this later. Sources told the Washington Post the private conversations between Flynn and Russia's Sergei Kislyak were explicit contradictions to President Obama's actions. But this is what Vice President Mike Pence told CBS. What I can confirm, having spoken to him about it, is that those conversations that happened to occur around the time uh, that the United States uh, took, took action to expel diplomats um, had nothing whatsoever to do with those sanctions. That forceful denial turns out to be false. Did the vice president know he was repeating a falsehood? Or did General Flynn lie to Pence? Vice President Pence's office today said the reports are a problem they will get to the bottom of, adding that the vice president had only conveyed what he had been told, creating tension between Flynn and Pence, seen here earlier today.
And here's what Sean Spicer had to say about Flynn's call with the Russian ambassador. The call centered around the logistics of setting up a call with the president of Russia and the president-elect. They exchanged logistical information on how to initiate and, and schedule that call. That was it, plain and simple. Flynn himself denied the contents of the call when asked Wednesday by The Post. He was adamant. He said no. In fact, he said no twice. We asked him, did you ever discuss this subject with the Russian ambassador? No, was the answer. Uh, And then the answer changed the next day. But an aide close to Flynn now tells CNN his boss, quote, can't rule it out that they discuss the sanctions. The shocking revelations also might shed light on the likely reason Vladimir Putin did not retaliate against the Obama sanctions. That's been past practice. And you have to wonder whether, uh, in fact, he was told, hold off, don't do anything. Soon after Putin's decision in December, then-President-elect Trump tweeted, great move on delay by Vladimir Putin. I always knew he was very smart. Was Putin being smart? Or did he just have information the rest of us did not? Of course, that is the case. So here's how it works. In the transition period... You have President Obama, who sets the policy, foreign policy, for the United States of America. One president at a time. It is un-American, if not illegal and treasonous, to work against the interest of the United States and its policies set by the current president when you are not in office, when you are Mm president-elect. And that's what happened here. They are undermining the policies set forth by the President of the United States, our our duly elected, freely and fairly elected leader, undermining his will, undermining his policies. That is a problem. You're not yet in office, dickface. You can't send your nutty emissaries to undermine the country. And that is what took place here. Mike Flynn, you'll remember, is the guy who tweets racist shit from his account, retweets white genocide accounts, Aryan nation, KKK type of bullshit. And his son, who was removed from the transition team because he was way too nutty, was one who promulgated the Pizzagate conspiracy theory, which... Uh, I don't want to say caused, but spurned some nutbag in North Carolina to drive up to D.C. and with a loaded weapon and fire shots off trying to free children who didn't exist because there was no child sex slavery ring. Being run by the Clintons. Yes. I mean, this is a fucking nutty family who has their, their tentacles into the highest reaches of our government. National Security Advisor. What in the hell is going on? Ugh. Jesse's upset, you guys. <laughs> Just come on. <laughs> I think what bothers me the most is that he was a general. Yeah. Well, you think in the army. Yeah, you think people that reach positions of power and that have a lot of success in life are intelligent, 
individuals. They should be. Um, but but then that that isn't always the case, and it's shocking when that happens, right? How did someone get so far being so irrational and not believing things on evidence? That is a very good point. I wasn't even going there. I'm questioning his loyalty to his country. He was a general in the goddamn U.S. Army. I'm questioning his loyalty, his fealty to the United States of America and the things we hold dear and to be important. He's National Security Advisor. I mean, come on. Uh, Anyway, the other big news this week, huge news. I just, I wanted to cover the Putin thing because it was follow-up from last time that we didn't get to. And then this kind of goes hand in hand with the Russia thing. But the big news this week is that fake news, CNN, who's been excoriated by this administration for having reported, how dare they report on news, reporting about this alleged dossier that contained all of those salacious, uncorroborated details about the PP parties and all the crazy shit sexually with Donald Trump. Well, apparently, some of those details... Not the salacious ones. Not the salacious ones, but it was a 35-page document. Uh Uh-huh. Some of the details contained within the 35 pages have been corroborated by U.S. intelligence officials. We have some breaking news now. CNN has learned new information about that ongoing investigation into those allegations raised in a collection of memos created by a former British intelligence agent at the time he made the memos for political opponents of then-candidate Donald Trump. Jim Shuto and Evan Perez have been working the story. And Jim, let's start with you. What precisely have investigators learned? Well, Jake, for the first time, U.S. investigators say that they have corroborated some of the communications detailed in a 35-page dossier compiled by a former British intelligence agent. CNN was first to report last month that then-president-elect Donald Trump and President Barack Obama were briefed on the existence of the memos prior to the inauguration. Until now, U.S. officials have said that none of the content or allegations have been verified, but now... Multiple current and former U.S. law enforcement and intelligence officials tell CNN that intelligence intercepts of foreign nationals confirmed that some of the conversations described in the dossier took place between the same individuals on the same days and from the same locations as detailed in the dossier. We should be clear that CNN has not confirmed the content of the calls or whether any of the content relates to then-candidate Trump and None of the newly learned information relates, I should say, to the salacious allegations in the dossier. The corroboration based on intercepted communications has given U.S. intelligence and law enforcement, quote, greater confidence in the credibility of some aspects of the dossier as they continue to actively investigate its contents, these sources say. Reached for comment this afternoon, White House spokesman Sean Spicer said, quote, we continue to be disgusted by CNN's fake news reporting. Spokesman for the FBI, the Department of Justice, the CIA, and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence had no comment. Fake news is what they call any news they don't like. Uh, Let me go to you, Evan. What is it precisely that investigators have corroborated here? Well, Jake, the dossier contains 35 pages of claims and allegations. And when U.S. investigators first started looking into it, they were trying to see whether there was any truth to the allegation that Russians were seeking to compromise President Trump. 
Now, to start, the investigators looked, into, uh, looked for information uh, they could verify easily to give them a sense of the credibility of the author, who was already known, uh, someone they were familiar with as having credible sources. The dossier details about a dozen conversations between senior Russian officials and other Russian individuals, so that was one of the starting points. Uh, one thing that the U.S. has is a collection of foreign call intercepts so that they have information to seek uh, to verify uh, some of the alleged conversations described in the dossier. Now, sources would not confirm which specific conversations were intercepted or the content of those discussions due to the classified nature of U.S. intelligence co collection programs. Uh, U.S. intelligence officials em emphasize that the conversations they have now verified were solely between foreign nationals, including those in or tied to the Russian government intercepted during routine intelligence gathering. But some of those individuals involved in the inter intercepted communications were known to, US, uh, to the U.S. intelligence community as, quote, heavily involved in collecting information damaging to Hillary Clinton and helpful to Donald Trump. Sources would not confirm which specific conversations were intercepted or the content of those discussions due to the, the classified nature of, the, of those programs. Jay. Okay, and Jim, let's underline this. The, source said, the sources that you, you two spoke with say there's confirmation of some of the conversations detailed. All com the conversations were between foreign individuals, and there's still a, a ton in these series of memos, in this so-called dossier, that investigators cannot yet verify as, as true. That's exactly right. We want to be very clear about that. To begin, as we said, one of the officials we spoke to stressed to CNN that they have not corroborated, quote, the more salacious things alleged in the dossier. And I'll remind our viewers that CNN, from the beginning, has not reported any of the salacious allegations included in the dossier. However, when we first reported this story, U.S. intelligence and law enforcement officials have said they could not verify any parts of the dossier. They are now saying they indeed corroborated some of the communications contained in the dossier. None of the officials we spoke to for this story would comment or confirm that they have proof of any alleged conversations or meetings between Russian officials and U.S. citizens, including associates of then-candidate Trump. Officials who spoke to CNN for this story cautioned they have not reached any final judgment on whether the Russian government has any compromising information about the president, President Trump, and his staff. You may remember, have repeatedly dismissed the entire dossier as, quote, phony. Well, first they denied that he'd been briefed on it, and of course... He had been briefed on it, the existence of the dossier. Uh, Evan, um, you reached out to the White House to get a comment. They said the comment uh, that, that, you, that Jim read earlier, uh, fake news, blah, blah, blah. Um, the White House has reached out again? Right. We did hear again from Sean Spicer, and he called us back to emphasize his displeasure with this story. He said, quote, it is about time that CNN focused on the success the president has had. Uh, bringing back jobs, protecting the nation, and strengthening relationships with Japan and other nations. The president won the election because of his vision and message for the nation, Jake. All right. Well, we did just report on, on uh, his meeting with Prime Minister right. Abe and, and, uh, in terms of jobs. It's a bit early yet, but okay. Um, Jim, this is a story that we're going to continue to work. Obviously, uh, with intelligence gathering, there are a lot of falsehoods. There are some things that turn out to be truth, some things we're, we're not able to determine. That's exactly right. As we emphasized here, this is not a final judgment, uh, but that they have uh, confirmed at least some of the details contained in those files. So this is one of the most concerning things for me. It should be. And when Donald Trump repeatedly says... You guys need to cover my wins more. You need to cover what right. I'm doing right. Okay, that's how things work in Russia, right? That's right. Vladimir Putin controls the media, controls what is reported. 
that's not how things work here. And that's not how they're going to work. Well, it's also, he wants credit for doing his goddamn job. Right. Also, he's not winning that much. So (laughs) there's not a lot of good to be reporting. That you're supposed to do your job. You don't get patted on the back for doing what you're supposed to do. It's when you fuck up that it's news. It's not news when you do your job, asshole. Well, it's weird that, you know, a man who got a small loan of a million dollars and who has lived his entire life being wealthy would expect that he's constantly coddled and patted on the back for doing a good job. He, he, he was, I bet you he was raised as a participation trophy kid. Oh, good job, little Donnie. You did a real good job, buddy. But he's... Against that, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And would talk smack about the participation trophy culture, right? (laughs) If he could really wrap his brain around it and understand it. Yeah. But listen, I wonder if Donald Trump is sweating right now and what feelers they're trying to put out into the intelligence community deep into the NSA and the CIA to try to curb this, to try to uh, squelch these details from coming public. Because if they if they are corroborate if if the guy who put this together the former British intelligence officer even if he's only getting you know if he's missing on a quarter of his of his calls here that still leaves three quarters of them founded good information and that could be a big problem for Donald Trump. If, right. if Russia does have damaging information, whether it be financial or sexual, let's let's see, let's just discount the sexual stuff, even though it's real fun to talk about. If they have financial dealings that could be illegal, that is a big deal for Donald Trump, and that is impeachable. And look, if anything, this guy has all kinds of pride and doesn't want to be embarrassed, and it could be a giant blow to his ego to be the only president in the history of our union to be removed from office. Mm-hmm. We've had two impeachments. Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton were both impeached. For those of you who don't know, impeachment isn't being removed. It's the process to remove. Mm-hmm. And neither one of them were convicted, Andrew Johnson or Bill Clinton. Uh, Richard Nixon would have been impeached, but he quit before it happened. Yeah. <laughs> They were drawing up articles of impeachment at the time when he said, all right, see ya. I'm out of here. It's one of those, you're fired. Oh, yeah, I quit that's ex- situations. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder if Donald Trump is sweating right now because he should be. This is big time. This is big time. Well, I think he is because he is tweeting. And I don't know if you saw this tweet. This was today at 4.14 a.m. For us. So 7.14 for him. Yeah. So he tweeted, while on fake news CNN, Bernie Sanders was cut off for using the term fake news to describe the network. That I, they watched, said, I watched that interview. That's not what happened. They said technical difficulties. So he's starting to pass around these conspiracy theories. Right. Right. To reinforce what he's telling everybody. And this tweet right now has 68,000 likes and 16,000 retweets. Listen, the anchors on CNN use the words fake news all the time. 
We're not afraid of the words fake news and the accusation being leveled against them by the administration. Right. They think it's laughable. Yeah. They talk about it. Yeah. Bernie Sanders, because I watched this interview, it was with Poppy Harlow. Who was it with? I think it was with Aaron Burnett. Aaron Burnett. That's right. Mm -hmm. I knew it was one of the, the female anchors. Uh, so I, I get some credit, Brittany. Uh, I'm giving you some credit. <laughs> I saw boobs and long hair, so I, I get credit. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got it. Uh, he was making a joke about fake news. They were having a little moment where it was a joke. There was no like, oh, God, he says fake news. Cut, cut his mic. Drop the feed. That's not what it was. Well, it's weird that Donald Trump would draw attention to that interview, too, because Bernie Span- Bernie Sanders spent a long time shitting on Donald Trump during right. that interview. It was almost as though Don- uh, Aaron Burnett pinned Donald Trump down, like sat on his chest and pried his mouth open. And then Bernie Sanders just took a big, just old man dump right into his mouth. That's what you were saying just now, Brittany. um, (laughs) Yeah, that's what I heard. When you spoke, those are the words I heard in my ears. Got it. Maybe there's something wrong with my headphones. I think there is. But but that's that's what I heard. (laughs) Oh, God. So speaking of this entire fake news administration that has the gall to sit there straight-faced on the the news shows and lie, Uh Stephen Miller, who's another very problematic character who's involved with this administration, who spent his high school years calling into the Larry Elder show, radio show, and writing op-eds and shit while in high school about why multiculturalism was a problem at Santa Monica High School, <laughs> where he went to high oh, school. Oh, that's, that's rich, as he, you would say. He also, <laughs> he also got to know Richard Spencer very well when they were college students at Duke together. <laughs> so this interview here, very short clip, is between George Stephanopoulos and Stephen Miller talking about the lie about voter fraud because Donald Trump has made a new voter fraud claim, claiming that many people were bussed in from Vermont to vote in the New Hampshire primary against him. And that's the only reason. Listen, goddamn, <laughs> Donald Trump won the fucking election and he's still complaining about specific primary races that he lost. Yeah, he's currently president of the United there States. There is something wrong with his fucking stupid head. There's something wrong in there. Bernie doesn't want to... Uh, let's just move to the clip. <laughs> Fraud as well. President Trump again uh, this week suggested in a meeting with senators that thousands of illegal voters were bused from Massachusetts to New Hampshire, and that's what caused his, def- uh, his defeat in the state of New Hampshire, also the defeat of, of Senator Kelly Ayotte. That has re- provoked a response from a member of the Federal Election Commission, Ellen Weintraub, who says, I call upon the president to immediately share New Hampshire voter fraud evidence so that his allegations may be investigated promptly. Uh, do you have that evidence? I've actually, having worked before on a campaign in New Hampshire, I can tell you that this issue of busing voters into New Hampshire is widely known by anyone who's worked in New Hampshire politics. It's very real. It's very serious. (laughs) This morning on this show is not the venue for me to lay out all the evidence, but I can tell you this. Oh, yeah. that hear that? No, well, today on the show, this isn't the venue for me to roll out all of the evidence that I have. I have lots of evidence. Trust me, George. So much evidence. Well, Tremendous amounts of evidence. But now's not the time. Well, actually, this venue is perfect for me to make the claim. That's right. But not perfect for the <sighs> evidence for the claim. Voter uh, so- fraud is a serious problem in this country. You have millions of people who are registered in two states or who are dead or who are registered to vote. And you have 
14% of non-citizens, according to academic research, at a, at a minimum, are registered to vote, which is an astonishing statistic. <laughs> you can't There's, make a, hold on a second. You just claimed again that there was illegal voting in, in New Hampshire. People bust in from the state of Massachusetts. Do you have evidence I'm to back anybody, that up? George, go to New Hampshire, talk to anybody who's looked <laughs> in politics there for a long time. Everybody's aware of the problem in New Hampshire with respect to I'm asking you as the White House senior po- hold on a second. I'm asking you as the White House senior policy advisor. The president made a statement saying he was the victim of voter fraud, people and the being president, busted from the Massachusetts president, the New president Hampshire. was. Do you and have any evidence? Issue, if this is an issue that interests you, then we can talk about it more in the future and we now have our governance beginning to get stood up, but we have a Department of Justice and we have more officials. An issue of voter fraud is something we're going to be looking at very seriously and very hard. But the reality is, is that we know for a fact you have massive numbers of non-citizens registered to vote in this country. Nobody disputes that. And many, many highly qualified people. Nobody disputes that, he says. Everyone not associated with the administration disputes that. You fucking mook. I love how he's telling George Stephanopoulos, listen, Go to New Hampshire. There's this local Burger King. I met a guy there. And he told me that a lot of people know about the busing in of people voting. Like, he was there. He told me. I'll tell you what he looks like. Here's his description. (laughs) His hair, not very combed. His clothes were kind of... Well, he might have been homeless. I don't know. Yeah. what, What is going on? I wish that George Stephanopoulos would just flat out say... You have no evidence. Yeah. You're presenting no evidence. So no one should take this seriously. Well, here's, How am I supposed to take you seriously? Here's where I think this is going to unravel. And it's not at the Burger King. It's the fact that they're low information voters. These fucking... uh Donald Trump bitches! Got Hillary bitches on his plane! Those people aren't watching this week with George Stephanopoulos. They're not? No, so they're they're not getting the disinformation like they were on the campaign when Donald Trump was doing these rallies in this easy to consume kind of language. They're not watching the, the Sunday morning uh, news shows. So only rational thinking people are getting this and witnessing the cavalcade of fuckery every Sunday. Normal people are getting it, not not the low information. Nordstrom boycotters, quote unquote. Well, even if you're a low information voter and you are watching this, doesn't it start to concern you after a while of someone making a claim repeatedly for weeks and then being repeatedly asked for evidence? Yeah. And then they they cannot provide it. So they're just believing this without evidence. Isn't that concerning? It, it should be. And listen, it's not just the administration. Because as we've said, Fox News has become the new state media. They are the biggest cheerleaders for the Donald Trump administration. Sean Hannity, and this goes, this goes hand in hand here, that not only are, are these details they don't need any corroboration, the other side of this is that when they do source for stories... They're using the wrong sources. (laughs) And if you're wondering, well, how how could a source be wrong? Well, when you are sourcing your your reporting and trying to to, to come up with a fact that some of the, the Syrian refugees are terrorists, 
if you're taking the word of Bashar al-Assad, the same man that is systematically murdering house by house, door to door murder of these of these people who are fleeing, and if he's calling them refugees, that's probably not a source you want to go with unless you're Sean Hannity. Now, President Trump is listening to the top intelligence and defense officials in this country. And now the president of Syria, he's actually echoing those same concerns. Now, keep in mind, Syria is one of the countries on Trump's travel ban list. And here's what President al-Assad told Yahoo News. Take a look. Are some of these refugees, in your view, yeah. aligned with terrorists? Oh, definitely. And, definitely. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely. You can find it on the net. The same picture that you saw them in some cases, of course, in some instances, those terrorists in Syria holding the machine gun or killing people, they are uh, peaceful refugees in, in Europe or in the West in general. Yeah, that's true. That's the Syrian president, essentially a guy who's a dictator admitting that some refugees are definitely terrorists. Wow. <laughs> wow. Listen, he's not essentially a dictator. He's oh a fucking God. dictator. That's he's amazing. a murderous dictator. Fox News, the, the new RT, everybody. And the other thing is, and this is kind of an aside, he doesn't really sound like a brutal dictator. Well, here's the deal, everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, those, those people are, they're terrible terrorists. The, I'm telling you, right, they have machine guns, and they stand out there, and, and they wait for people, and they're, they're, they're brutal thugs. Yeah. They're not, they're not, they're mean. Yeah. Those people are very bad. He does sound like a Looney Tunes character, and... <laughs> I was actually Googling uh, Vladimir Putin's height and Bashar al-Assad's height while I was listening to that clip because they look like very small men. And so I was wondering if there is isn't, some sort of... Isn't Bashar al-Assad... He's tall, isn't he? Yeah, he's 6'2". Yeah, so he that, looks like a tall guy. It didn't really fit with my narrative, but... <laughs> but but Putin, he's like 5'4 or something, 5'5". He's 5'7". There's not much difference there. Well, he's... He is not an average height man, but he's close. He's getting there. Um, this is concerning, and it's concerning. The thing or the fact that Fox News is taking their, their fact-checking to a whole new low? Fox News. Okay. <laughs> because this is a murderer, Bashar al-Assad. He's a human rights abuser. He has used chemical weapons. On his own people. These same people he's now calling terrorists, he has been caught using chemical weapons on. Right. And Amnesty International just released this report, and it claimed that up to 13,000 people have been hanged in a Syrian prison as a part of an extermination campaign. Yes. And Bashar al-Assad, taking a, a page out of Donald Trump's playbook, is calling this fake news. Uh, really? So he was interviewed... So that's catching on now with other brutal thugs. Right. And he is insisting that this is being fabricated on fake allegations in a bid to undermine the government. It says, quote, put into question the credibility of Amnesty International. It is always biased and politicized, and it is a shame for such an organization to publish a report without a shred of evidence. They haven't been to Syria. They only made their reports on allegations. You can forge anything these days. We are living in a fake news era. That why doesn't that give Donald Trump supporters pause? Well, it's terrifying because this is the best way to manipulate people. You start to have them questioning whether or not it's even possible 
to find out real information. When it's very possible. And this is this is scary because this is the, I don't know, most detrimental form of manipulation where they are repeating this line. It's fake news. Well, how is anybody supposed to figure out what's real if you keep on saying that everything is fake? Right. Is it only what comes from you that's real? Well, of course. Donald Trump tweeted, any negative poll is fake news. <laughs> God damn. Well, listen, a, a very well-respected thinker, his name is Andrew Sullivan, he had this to say about Donald Trump and his incapability of accepting realities. Any liberal democracy, any constitutional democracy relies upon something we call the objective truth. Now, some politicians fib and lie. In fact, almost all of them do to some extent. But they always do it in a way that pays some sort of deference to reality. And what we've discovered is that in the last three weeks, this president, rather like he did on the campaign trail, simply insists that black is white, that things that we can see with our own eyes, like the size of his inauguration crowd, are not exactly what we're seeing. And he's able to command his underlings to actually go out there and also say things that are empirically untrue. This is not about politics or ideology. Like mm. there are some things that Trump believes in, for example, a more restrained America around the world, immigration controls, for example, that I'm sympathetic to. It's about the ability for the president to tell the truth and for us to believe it. And, and to have such an unstable figure incapable of accepting reality at the center of the world is an extremely dangerous thing. You said and unstable. I, In your column, you said mentally unstable. Why do you think it's appropriate to be describing the president that way? I'm not a shrink, and I, if, I, if I were, I wouldn't say this anyway, because you can't diagnose someone. But I'm a human being, and I can tell if someone is saying things that we know not to be true and never corrects it. For example, hmm. that the murder rate, which is a very solid statistic, you know, there are dead bodies we can count. When he says the murder rate is the highest it's been in 45 to 47 years. What are we supposed to do, Brian? I mean, what is anybody supposed to do? This is simply completely bonkers. He's saying things that do not exist. When a president is saying things like that and doesn't correct himself, has no one correct him, we have fact checkers now every day of the week compiling lists and lists and lists of things he's saying that are empirically untrue, false. Now, I don't know whether he knows they're false, but if he doesn't know they're false, then he needs to be informed. Right, if he knows they're right. false and still saying it's, it's true, then, and if he doesn't know, then he shouldn't be in that office. So I know that it's pretty popular to say that he has a mental disorder. Well, I think he's speaking more loosely. Right. But Donald Trump could just be a dick. Right? Yeah, well, he I could think just be a bad person. He could also be both. And someone having a he mental... He could be a mentally ill dick. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of times, though, when people are talking about this, they say, Donald Trump's a dick. Oh, he must have a mental illness. Hmm. And I think that's unfair. Um, unfair to whom? Donald Trump? People who have mental illness. Huh. Um, so the APA, the American Psychiatric Association, has an ethics policy that prohibits mental health professionals from diagnosing people at a distance. Yet you've seen a lot of mental health professionals shopping around this petition saying that he needs to have a mental evaluation done. Right. And apparently a similar thing happened with Barry Goldwater in the 60s when this ethics 
rule uh, was put in place. Um, Alan Francis is someone that I've been following for a while, and he's not a perfect person, but he <laughs> is a... He's your Twitter buddy, right? Having you reach... You, you communicated... Oh, email. Yeah. Email buddy. Sorry. Well, that happened one time. I wouldn't call him a buddy. Um, <laughs> he had a hand in working on the, the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders that mental health professionals use to diagnose people with mental disorders. Right. And a lot of people have been saying, oh, Donald Trump has narcissistic personality disorder, NPD. And he, Alan Francis, recently wrote this article and said... People have reviewed the DSM definition, which I wrote, and found him to meet all the criteria. Grandiose self-importance, preoccupations with being brilliant and successful, feeling special and having to hang out with special people, requiring constant admiration, feeling entitled, being exploitative, lacking empathy, being envious, and being arrogant. Bingo, Trump is all this in spades. But they ignore the further requirement that is crucial in defining all mental disorders. It harms his life. That behaviors must also cause clinically significant distress or impairment. Yeah. Trump is clearly a man singularly without distress, and his behaviors consistently reap him fame, fortune, women, and now political power. So there's no downside, and that's the key element that, that doesn't match up. Yes, according to Alan Francis. Right, right. And well, he also wrote that section of the DSM, right? Yeah. So Alan Francis is almost skeptical to a problematic degree, I would say sometimes. Right, right. But I like where his head's at. And I don't know. I don't know if Donald Trump has a mental illness. You know, he would need to be evaluated. But clearly his behavior is problematic. And you don't need to say that he's mentally ill to say his behavior is problematic. Absolutely. You also don't need to say he's mentally ill to have him removed from office. No. So really, it's not important. Yeah. <laughs> he's behaving in a way that is not fit for this office. It seems, maybe you would agree, I don't know. It seems to me that by really going after that mental illness element, that all they're trying to do is malign his character. Yeah. So it's not really about... Removing him from office because he's not fit. It's more about just embarrassing him, which should never be the case with a diagnosis of mental illness. No, and he should be embarrassed anyway. I mean, call him a liar. Yeah, and well, say he's, a liar. he's he's lying yeah. on purpose. He knows this this is not fact. Yet he's trying to manipulate people, and he's he's doing this knowing what he's doing. Yeah. Okay, that's a problem in and of itself. I mean, yeah, right? Of course it is. Yeah. Ugh. Oh man. All right, well, we're going to end it there. I've got another clip. I still want to keep playing this. Huffington Post did this piece on Donald Trump's belief in... Like, I don't want to use the word eugenics because it's really a loaded term. Mm -hmm. but, but his family believes in like a racehorse theory. I don't want to get into it. You got to tune in next time to episode 277. Oh, a little tease. we will for sure play it. All right, we're going let, to let, let you go so we can go. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We honestly think, God, I hate it when people do that. Honestly, like everything else I say is a lie, but this, it's really true. We do believe you. We have the best audience in the business. You guys are, are responsive. You leave voicemails. You're engaged. We look at this as a family and we love you guys so much. We appreciate everything you do for us, everything you do to help us move the conversation forward. It means the world to us. We will see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It.
That's all I got. It's early in the morning. Fuck you guys. You know, I was able to follow it. <laughs> I, so that's good. 